Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Heartway. Before we get started, would you all join me just for a moment of prayer? God, we thank you for your grace that is so present and active in our life. You have brought us here to a house of healing, restoration, faith, growth, transformation. That is a gift that we get to be surrounded by this kind of love and energy, that we get to hear these words of life that come from you. And I pray for every single person that is here who has taken the time to connect with you and to connect to themselves in a deeper way, that you may touch them today, that you would change them from the inside out, that your spirit would be made known to them, that you would reveal yourself to them in a unique and personal way. And I ask that you would speak through me and use me as a vessel to communicate your love, your kindness, your mercy, and your power. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, we're starting a brand new series today, and it's called Is Complicated. (laughs) And it's a relationship series. Anybody ever uh, put It's Complicated on Facebook way back years ago when people (laughs) used to do that? (laughs) I wish we could still do that, you know? That would be awesome. But relationships are complicated. Relationships are messy. And so we got to talk about it because everything is relationship. You cannot escape relationship. As a student of spirituality, I love to read about monks and mystics who would leave society and go create their own communes apart from the world so they can connect with God. And that's all nice. And it's cool, but I don't think having a relationship with God means escaping the world and escaping people. That's kind of easy. That's the easy route, I think. How can we be in the world but not of it? That's the question. A lot of us try and isolate ourselves from relationships because relationships are so tough. But God wants us to be in relationship with one another. We were made for connection and for relationship. And personally speaking, I know of no other vehicle of transformation that is as effective and powerful for your spirituality as relationships are. You really want to change. You really want to grow. You really want to know who you are. That happens in the context of relationships relationships awaken you to who you are. Sometimes we don't want to see who we really are. 
And so when a, relation, when a relationship begins to show us to ourselves, I'm done with that relationship. Forget it. But what if we had the courage and the boldness and the confidence to stay, to stick through it? Yeah, there's conflict, but let me press in instead of run away. And let's see what can come out on the other side of truth telling and honesty. But we're not honest with ourselves and we're not going to be honest with other people. We just go. I encourage you to stay. And here's one thing that I'm going to tell you at the start of this. And this is really the point of the whole message because the title of this specific message is When Relationships Hurt, which is always. Okay? So I want to start off by giving you just this very encouraging word, okay? You will be let down. (laughs) And the people that you love will disappoint you. Do you want me to say it again, or do you think you got it, okay? Let's just rewind, okay? You will be let down, and the people that you love will disappoint you. Everybody say, that's okay, but only say it if you mean it, okay? If you don't mean it, don't say it and don't lie. Take a deep breath and say, that's okay. You know why? Because you let people down. You disappoint people. Can you own up to it when that happens? Is it too late now to say sorry? (laughs) Some of us, we got to learn how to say I'm sorry. I apologize. Not I'm sorry that you feel like that. (laughs) I'm sorry that you interpreted it like that, but that's not really what it is. No. I'm sorry. Yeah, please don't do the sorry, not sorry. No, you own it. You own it. You own it. I love when I hang out with my friends that are in recovery because part of the 12 steps is making amends. And that is a very spiritual thing to do. When you recognize over time, over maturation, that there are some things that you could have done better or different. And you begin to take ownership for the role that you played in the chaos that ensued. And you make amends. You seek reconciliation. People who follow Christ are peacemakers. That's what we're all about. And sometimes peace is not possible, but do as much as you can, as much as you're able to in your power to make peace with everybody and see how your life is going to take a different turn. Because even if the relationship cannot be restored, at least you know I did my part. That's enough for you to move on peacefully with integrity. To know I did all that I could do. But to know that you could have done more, that's a, that's a very heavy burden to carry. So no, you will be disappointed. You will be let down. And you'll do some letting down and disappointment too. Sometimes people will disappoint you because you have unrealistic expectations of them. And so we can be honest about that. It's not always them. Sometimes it's just you expected somebody to be God for you. And they can't do that. Nobody can do that. But then there are other times that we're disappointed in relationships because people are people. And people can suck sometimes. And people switch it up on you. And people say one thing and they do something else. It's okay. It's a part of this thing. It happens. You just, you just got to be aware of that. 
so that you're not living in a fantasy land thinking that relationships are supposed to be this perfect thing without any problems or conflicts. Relationships are there to provoke us, to test us, to show us where we are wounded, to reveal us to ourselves. And so the key is to pay attention to all of the different aspects of yourselves that are awakened in relationship to other people. And there are different sides of us that come out in different relationships. So it's important to pay attention and become aware of what emerges from you in relationship with the different people that you have in your life. When there's anger, when there's disappointment, when there's impatience, when there's frustration, when there's guilt and shame, when there's regret, when there's insecurity, the true spiritual student utilizes all of that mess in a relationship as an opportunity to work on themselves. Most of us, most of us, Take those experiences in relationship with other people as an opportunity to fix them, to try and change them. We take it as an opportunity to assert our superiority, to establish our rightness, to win an argument. Anybody want to get closer to God here? Anybody want to grow? Anybody want to change? Anybody want to be transformed? Okay, I'm going to tell you what it is right now. You now need to take ownership over your feelings instead of blaming other people for them. You now have the responsibility of utilizing all of these experiences in relationship with other people as an opportunity to work on yourself. When you see your relationships as a curriculum for you to grow closer to God and to grow more deeply into your truest self, that's when you begin to change. That's when your relationships begin to serve their purpose, at least from God's vantage point. Every time that you experience disappointment in relationship, whether it's a micro disappointment or a macro disappointment, and let me just stop there before I go on. The micro disappointments are good, are important too, to address. Because if you don't address the micro disappointments, they build up over time, and before you know it, they become macro disappointments. And then you not doing the dishes and the laundry was nothing at first, and now it's everything. <laughs> it's the, li the little things. If you can genuinely look over it, look over it. If you can't do it genuinely, you better bring that up because it's going to fester. And then it's going to come up in unhealthy ways. So really be honest with yourself. If you're going to look over something that someone did that irritated you, it's possible. We don't have to make a big deal out of everything. We really don't. But if some of us are at that place where we need to make a big deal, don't just turn a blind eye as if it didn't happen because now that's going to eat you up from the inside out. And guess what? The other person that you didn't even tell you were disappointed by is going to have no idea where that came from when the wrath comes out. Really? I didn't know this whole time that you were mad about all these little things that I did to you. We got to communicate, everybody. 
This ain't easy. This ain't easy. I'm telling you, but I'm passionate about this because my relationships have been the crucible through which God has burned away everything that is not of him. I am so grateful for the relationships that did not work out in my life. Oh, I'm so grateful for the relationships that I have now that are working out just fine, but that are really, really hard. Because this is how God is molding me and shaping me. This is the way. This is the way. Now, back to what I was saying. Every disappointment that you experience in your relationships is meant to teach you not to depend on other people for your happiness. You will have so much more to offer another individual when you no longer need them to feel happy. Some of y'all are expecting your partner to make you happy when you're not even happy within yourself. So somebody explain to me how that's going to work. How am I supposed to make you happy when you're miserable? Happiness is an inside job, everybody. Happiness is an inside job. So when you no longer look outside of yourself for a sense of fulfillment, security, and happiness, that's what it means to be free as a human being. Okay? Until until you are free in here, you'll never give other people the freedom to be themselves. And if you don't give other people the freedom to be themselves, you're not truly capable of loving them because love is freedom. Love is not you're going to do what I want you to do when I want you to do it. Love is I'm going to allow you to be who you are completely and totally. And guess what? If who you are is not who I want to deal with, then I won't. But I'm still going to love you, love you enough to let you be you, love you enough to be free to allow you that freedom to be who you are. So this is my philosophy, and I understand if it sounds weird and it sounds crazy to you, and like I always say, don't just take it as truth, but from my experience, it only takes one person to be happy in a relationship. And guess who that is? Anybody have a special guess? It's you. It all starts and ends with you. It, it takes two people to have a healthy relationship, It takes two people for a relationship to work out long term. But it only takes one person to be happy in a relationship. Because my happiness is my responsibility. I'm not abdicating that power to anybody else in this world to make me happy, to make me feel secure. That's my job to do that. So I don't expect happiness from my relationships. I bring happiness into my relationships. My source is God, not the other person. So whether that person is in the picture or they're not, my happiness will remain. Because my happiness comes from within. I've been in relationships where I was happy and it still didn't work out. But guess what? Because my happiness was not dependent on the other person, When I was with him, I was happy. And when I wasn't with him, I was still happy. This is possible. For some of us, it feels like I'm talking Chinese. You have no idea what I'm saying. You think I'm crazy. But this is the good kind of crazy. 
This is a good kind of crazy. To have a happiness and a joy that other people can't steal from you, that's the promise of the gospel. That's what it means to find the kingdom of heaven within you. You have found a treasure worth more than anything. And nobody can take it from you. So how do we get to this point where we embody and exude an unshakable joy and peace regardless of who's in our life and who's not in our life? It starts by understanding that our relationships are a mirror. Every relationship that you have mirrors you to yourself. I can only be who you think I am. Everybody here has a different vision, understanding, and perspective of who Danny Prada is. Which one is right? There's a there's hundred Dannys in this room. And there's hundreds of versions of you out there too. You are who I think you are. I am who you think I am. So if I don't like what I'm seeing, I got to work on what I'm thinking. Point blank, period. This is, again, if you want to be happy, if you want to be at peace. If not, don't pay attention to none of this. Okay? If you want happiness, if you want peace, you have to learn how to see your relationships as a mirror. As a mirror, what is this person reflecting back to me about myself? It's fascinating how we as human beings are so blinded to the fact that so often what we judge others for, we are guilty of ourselves. Pay attention to the judgments that you make of other people, it's a mirror. This is a mirror. Your judgments are revealing you to yourself. This is why Jesus said, make sure you take the speck out of your own eye before you try and take the plank out of your brother's eye. Because I guarantee you, if you see the plank there, there's a little bit of that in here. And if you knew and if you got in touch with the little bit of what you're judging in them in here, you wouldn't judge them anymore. So I get in this habit if I, if I feel judgy and petty, okay, and, and, and I'm just talking to myself on my way to my car after work about something or someone that I'm not happy with, and a judgment comes forth from my mouth, I neutralize it by finding the ways in which I myself too have partaken in the same kind of actions that I'm judging another for. And now, guess what? That evens the playing field. I'm not saying you can't make observations, but a judgment has a charge to it. And people feel that. So if you're able to make an observation, make an observation. I'm not saying you can't make an observation. And that you can't share that with the people in your life. No, there's a ton of observations that we have. But when that turns into judgment, 
you may be blinded to the way in which you yourself are the very thing that you are judging that other person for. Because if you knew that, you wouldn't even be judging them. So your relationships are a mirror. And it's not just important to pay attention to the judgments that you make of other people. It's also important to pay attention to the judgments other people make of you. I try to resist the temptation to judge others while also opening myself up to the judgments that people make of me. You see how this works? So it's not my job to judge anybody. That's God's job. But it's your job to judge me. And when you judge me, I'm listening. Because criticism is a gift to the open mind. Even if that other person's perception of you is not accurate, it can still be insightful. It can show you an aspect of yourself that you have been blinded to. And even if somebody's judgment and criticism of you, there's nothing you can take from it. Even though there's always some. Try and meet people in their criticisms of you. When someone comes at you with some sort of a judgment or a criticism, can I meet them there? Even if right now in this moment, you calling me a liar, I know is not true. Can I think back to a time when I lied? And can I join this person there and say, yeah. Yeah, I've been, I've been there. Yeah, I'm a liar. Can you do that? You learn and you grow and you humble yourself. And again, even if, let's say, the criticism and the judgment that other people hurl your way, you can't identify with that. You don't want to and you can't and there's no way and it triggers you and you get defensive. And that criticism is still a gift. How? Why? Because the criticism is eliciting a strong reaction from you. The stronger your reaction to that criticism, the more you can know that you're holding on to a false identity. You're protecting a false image. You're trying to control something that cannot be controlled, which is another person's perception of you. So even if nothing about the criticism is true, if it elicits a strong reaction from you, there's work to do. False identity you're holding on to. Somebody's perception you're trying to control. Impossible task, everybody. So I want you to criticize me until I can be completely okay with it and still love you. That's my goal. That's me. But I'm crazy. And I want you guys to try and just find that in you because this is where peace is. This is where joy is. This is where happiness lies. The other thing about relationships, relationships bring you face to face with what you fear. And this is why our relationships are so valuable because we've all been hurt. We've all gone through so much pain. We've all suffered tremendously in our relationships. I know I have experienced it myself. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And all that pain and all that hurt causes us to build these walls. And so when we're in relationship with other people, those fears come up. The fear of being misunderstood. The fear of not being seen. The fear of not being enough 
in that other person's eyes. It hurts because we know what that's felt like and we don't want to deal with that again. The fear of being abandoned, the fear of being betrayed. Are you going to leave me too like everybody else did? We're not careful. Those walls start coming up and we cut ourselves off from love that can be available to us, from the growth that is available to us. I can't sit here and make a promise to you that that stuff will never happen. And I don't think the solution to this fear is you pretending like that. No, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to just be positive. They're not going to abandon me. They're not going to leave me. They're not going to betray me. No. Confront the fear. Because if you don't confront the fear, that insecurity is going to haunt you. And you'll end up actually recreating these experiences over and over and over and over again. Even when that other person isn't really like that, you'll interpret what they're doing in that way because of your insecurity. So you got to face that fear. And then you have to recognize, oh, this is a good one. It probably will happen again. Just take that pill and swallow it, everybody. It does no good to pretend like it's not going to be messy. It probably will happen. You probably will get abandoned again. You may get betrayed again. You may be misunderstood. You may not be good enough in their eyes. The goal is to be so secure in your relationship with God that if and when that happens, you will be able to carry it gracefully. And it won't change your character. You will remain consistent in love, consistent in integrity, unmoved by the way that other people act or think or speak of you. I don't have to be afraid of being betrayed when I know that God never betrays me. I don't have to be afraid of you misunderstanding me when I know that God knows my heart. I don't have to be afraid of you abandoning me when I know that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. So yeah, it may happen again. And if it does, another lesson, I'm not going to let the fear of it happening again keep me from trying again. Because what is life without relationships? What is life without connection? It is boring. It's empty. You know, this is what matters most. I'm, I, I have the privilege and honor. It is a privilege and honor of my life alongside of leading this community of literally helping people transition from alive to dead. And you know what? The only thing that's left in that moment? The people that you love around you and God. That's it. Money. Ain't nobody's talking about how successful they were. Ain't nobody's talking about how much they accomplished. Ain't nobody talking about how much stuff they have. It's not, even, it's not even a thought. It's the people in my life. And it's God. So we got to face that fear. Your relationships with other people ultimately is an extension of your relationship with God. When your relationship with God is healthy, you will act in a healthy manner in your relationships with other people. But even if your relationship with God is so tight, even if you're connected 
Even if you have an open heart, there will be pain. There will be hurt. Look at how David put it in the Psalms. Psalm 55. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Anybody know that kind of pain? It's like, you know, if it was an enemy who did this to me, I, I probably could have bore it. But it was you, the one I was closest to, the one I trusted, the one I gave everything to. This is what happened. I know we all have been there. You know who else has been there? Jesus. I was reading through Matthew 26 this week. Every part of that chapter is Jesus getting abandoned, betrayed, disowned, discarded by the people that he gave his life to. Starts with Peter. Look at what the scriptures say here. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So you're telling me that somebody can say one thing and do something else? Sometimes people will disown you just because others dislike you. They're your friend because it suits them. They're your companion because... It works out in their benefit. But the moment the going gets tough, nowhere to be found. I look to my left and I look to my right. And so when people make big promises to me, I don't know why for some reason people make big promises to me, especially in regards to the church. But even, even still, even in, in, in a personal life, people make big, Danny, no, I'll always be there. I'll always do this. I'll always do this. Thank you. That's awesome. Also, in my mind, I don't say this to them, but in my mind, I love you too much to hold you to that. I love you too much to hold you to that. People change, things evolve. So if you said this, but you did that, it hurts, but it's okay. Not gonna change my love for you. See, some of y'all think just because you broke up or because you got divorced, that means that commitment of love is over. That's a commitment we made before God. So you can break your commitment to me. I'm not gonna break my commitment to you. I still love you. I'll still be there for you. I still have my arms open. That's the cruciform life, everybody. 
You're, you're pinned to that cross and you still say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm saying all of this just so that you don't expect something from people that only God can give to you. You want somebody who's always going to be faithful. You want somebody who's never going to leave your side. You want somebody who's always going to be present with you no matter what through the ups and downs of life. You're expecting that from people and you can only get that from your source, everybody. Only from God. So Peter says these big words. All the disciples say these big words and they still fall by the wayside keep reading in Matthew 26 Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray and he brings his three closest friends Peter James and John and he says I'm gonna go pray because the hour of my arrest is near I just need you to watch okay because these people may come out of nowhere to put me in chains can you just look out for me while I pray for an hour Bible says they fell asleep I'm done bro I am done. Y'all fell asleep, really? So that's what Jesus did. He comes up, he comes back, he said, y'all fell asleep? I asked you to do this one thing, but even deeper than that, this, is, this was when he needed them. You needed me this whole time, and I was there for you. But when I needed you, I, I, I don't ask much from you, but when I needed you, you weren't there. You fell asleep. Bible says Jesus said, okay, watch for me again. I'm going to go pray. Comes back, fell asleep. You know what Jesus does again? He goes back to pray. Because he knows even though they left him on his own, God would never leave him alone. So if you leaving me helps me find God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then we got Judas. Good old Judas. Look at, look at what this man says. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Those are those side conversations. You know how those side conversations happen. People in front of you, yeah, I love you. And we're so nice. And you're the best. And then on the side here, oh, my God. Let me tell you. The side conversations. Two-face. So Judas goes to the chief priest and he says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. That was all this man was worth to him. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. He was betrayed by a kiss. You know what I love about this story? Even when Judas went to betray Jesus, 
he still called him his friend. See, a lot of us don't recognize that sometimes our enemies are really just friends in disguise. They're helping you without even knowing that they're helping you. See, because if Judas wouldn't have betrayed Jesus, he wouldn't have been arrested. Jesus wouldn't have been arrested. He wouldn't have been crucified. Jesus wouldn't have been crucified. We wouldn't have a resurrection. We don't have a resurrection. Billions of people throughout human history would have a much different story. Judas's betrayal actually propelled Jesus into his destiny. I don't know if you guys really understand what I'm talking about, though. The betrayal got him to exactly the place where God wanted him to go. It was through the betrayal. The very thing we're trying to avoid the most by shutting ourselves off is what God wants to use to take us where he wants us to go. And you got to remember, Jesus chose Judas. He chose Peter. And I don't think he made a mistake. Because they perfectly accomplished what they were meant to in his life. So I thank God for the people who hurt me. I thank God for the people who left me. Because you doing what you did helped me grow. It shaped me into the person that I am now becoming. It moved me to deeper levels of faith. It got me out of my comfort zone. It made me have to learn how to get sturdy in and of myself so I don't depend on other people anymore to give to me what only my relationship with God can give to me. I learned so much because you betrayed me. I learned how strong I am. I learned how tough I am. I learned how resilient I am. So thank you. The betrayer who kisses me, I will call my friend. You are my friend. You are my friend. So the tears are worth it. The pain had a purpose. Man, wow. Let's pray, everybody. God, we thank you for being the friend that is so faithful, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you that you never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you that you always walk by our side and you sustain us in those moments when people disappoint us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. All of it is worth it if it brings us closer to you, God. I would do it again and again and again just to get here. Help us, God, to use every relationship in our life as an opportunity for growth and transformation. It's going to take humility. It's going to take honesty. But with you by our side, God, nothing is impossible. May we find our happiness in our relationship with you. May we no longer depend on other people to give to us what only you can give to us. 
Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. And even when other people betray us, you remain there. So we honor you, we worship you, we thank you for your presence in our life. In Christ and through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Man, that was fun. I didn't expect any of that. All right. I love you. Have a great rest of the week. Now you got to come back next week because who knows? Who knows? All right. Bye. Love you guys.